And uh, just don't forget, in between services, you can find Tamara and take a look at those pictures. That is awesome. And that would be uh, exciting to see some of that stuff that's going on in Papua New Guinea. Uh, yeah, go ahead, guys. So yeah, so we do have softball coming up. Um, that's exciting. Um, this week, Pastor Dan and myself are both out of town, so neither one of us will be able to coach the team. But R.C. Mayer has agreed to coach the team, and she's pretty fearless. <laughs> so she's going to rule with an iron fist, I am sure. Um, and like someone said earlier, someone did jack two home runs, clean over the fence, and Pastor Dan did not think that was ever going to happen. This fence is probably 400 feet out, you know. And, uh, you know, they were having some friendly wagers about who's going to, if anybody could ever hit this thing over the fence. And needless to say, it happened twice by the same man, Mr. Scott, over here. So uh, it's going to be a fun season. <laughs> that, uh, that Mormon church better look out because it's going to happen. Um, this morning, I'm going to talk about uh, loving like Jesus, loving like Jesus, and uh, specifically, the story of when Jesus washes the disciples' feet. You guys know this story. Um, I'm going to start with Matthew 25, 35 through 40. It says this, it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me water to drink. I was a stranger, and you gave me a room. I had no clothes, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you came to see me. Then those that are right with God will say, Lord, when did you see, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and give you a room? When did we see you had no clothes and we gave you clothes? And when did we see you sick or in prison and we came to you? Then the king will say, for sure, I will tell you, because you did it for the least of my brothers, you have done it for me. You've done it for me. Let us pray. Father God, I just want to just leave it all at your feet, Lord God. All these things that are going on in life, and my life, and my friends' life, and my family's lives, and everyone in this room, Lord God. Those that are watching online, we just pray for those as well. We just pray because we just want to live like you. We want to love like you, Jesus. We want to serve like you. And so we just pray that you just, just reach into our hearts this morning and just open us up to what it is that you have planned for us, this amazing plan that you have for us. We just love you so much. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So this morning I'm going to start off with the story that I read. I thought it was, uh, it was interesting. It says here, um, there was this guy. He went to the doctor. Something really, really wrong with this guy. He had all kinds of issues going on. So they, the doctor, they referred him to a specialist. He went to the specialist, and they decided to run all sorts of tests on him. They came up with a diagnosis that was rather serious. 
that they actually wanted to talk to the guy's wife first. The lead doctor said to the guy's wife, we're very sad to tell you, but your husband has a very rare disease. And if left treated, untreated, he will die, and he will die very quickly. The doctor said, but there's good news. With chemo and a lot of help from you, that we actually believe that he can be healed. The challenge is, though, he will need a very strict diet, and that means you have to cook for him every single meal, three meals a day. He's got to have an environment that's kept completely clean, and that means you have to be available to him nonstop. It'll take more from you than you can ever imagine, more than you can ever muster. But if you cook for him, clean for him, be there to serve for him, and do this over an extended period of time, your husband will live. She walked out, walked out, and the husband, he is just nervous, obviously nervous and shaking. He said, well, what did the doctor say? The lady said to her husband, the doctor had bad news and said you're going to die. <laughs> you're going to die because I am not going to do that. I ain't got time for that. I'm not doing it. So, yeah, it's kind of a juicy story. Um, But sometimes, a lot of times, we see a need in somebody's life and we're thinking, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm just not going to do it. It's beneath me. It's just, it's so hard. I don't have time for it. I don't have time for it. I don't have time for it. In this day and age, uh, the way Americans are, we just don't have time, right? We, we got fast food restaurants. Everything's just got to be drive through. We got to, everyone's racing on the freeways. You got to get here. You got to get there. We just don't have time for stuff. So today I want to take a look at the image of Jesus washing feet, the picture of him serving those around him, and to do that we're going to look at the Gospel of John 13. We're going to start in verse 1 and 2. And let this, set, let this set the context for the image of loving like Jesus. How do we do it? One of the ways is we wash feet. John 13, 1 says, It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. You have to get your, set your mind on what Jesus has got to be thinking. He's been living up to this point his entire life so he can die, that he would actually give his life for us. This is the day before his crucifixion. You've got to imagine the emotions that Jesus is feeling. He, he's already said earlier in the Bible when he was asking God to not let this happen, so he was obviously feeling fear and nervousness. He, doesn't, you know, he knows what's going to happen, but at the same time, he knows what's going to happen, you know? Like, and to face that, it's just, it's got to be a scary thing. The text goes on to say, having loved his own who were in the world. Having loved his own who were in the world. What did he do? He loved them till the end. Jesus loved them till the end. So we're going to learn how to love like Jesus. Love until the end. The next verse, verse 2, it says, the evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. <clears throat> so let's unpack this a little bit and get into the minds of what's going on. Jesus is about to give his life. And if you take a look at the week before all of this happens, you can imagine how difficult this week was for Jesus. On Monday, he cleansed the temple, right? He went in there and tipped over the tables and said, you will not turn my father's house into a place of profit. This will be a house of worship. On Tuesday, he had a massive fight with religious leaders. 
Wednesday. There's really no record of what happened on Wednesday. Now it's Thursday night. It's Thursday night. He's gathered in a secret room with his closest friends, his disciples. They have been with him every step of the way. And he's ready to give his final speech to share with them the body and the blood, the bread and the wine. That is this historic, heartfelt moment. But guess what? He knows one of the disciples, one of his best friends, is going to betray him. In this moment of this heartfelt plea to his friends, he knows that one of them is going to betray him. The very next day, he knows he's going to be beaten, betrayed, tortured, hung on a cross to die. He knows all this stuff is going on in his mind. And what happens? He's looking around at his disciples in the room. And what happens when all this stuff is going on in his mind? A break fight, a break, fight breaks out, sorry. A fight breaks out among his disciples. He's having dinner with his disciples, and they're acting like two-year-olds. One of them says, I wonder who's the greatest. Well, what happens when you get 12 friends, and one of them says, I wonder who's the greatest. Well, one of them is going to say, well, it's going to be me. It's me. And the other one is going to say, no, 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 no. I was Jesus' best. I was hanging out with Jesus all the time. And another one, you know, it just goes on and on. You can imagine the arguments that are going on. And Jesus is having all these thoughts in his head about, he's going to go die the next day. He's going to go through pain the next day. And he's looking around all his friends, and they're arguing about who is the greatest, who is the highest, the best, the favorite, who is the best of the best. So there's this dispute going on. Who is the greatest? Who is the greatest? And you can imagine Jesus thinking to himself, I already told you who is the greatest. Remember, this is in Matthew's Gospel. He says, the greatest is the one who will be your servant. Jesus had told him that. I did not come to be served by others, but I came to serve you, to lay down my life as ransom for many. So he looks around the room at his, at his final meal with his closest friends, and what does he see? He sees proud hearts. All of these people who are the greatest, they think, have proud hearts, though. They're standing tall. They have proud hearts, and he sees dirty feet. He sees proud hearts and dirty feet. So Jesus, he's most likely thinking to himself, well, I can wash feet. This one's mine. I can do that. So watch what Jesus does in verse 4. It says, So Jesus got up from his meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to do what? He began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. But why did he wash their feet? Why did he wash their feet? This is a common courtesy when someone comes into your home. For example, if you came to my home today, um, well, maybe not today, it's really hot. But if you were to come to my home during the winter, I might take your coat from you, might offer you a cup of coffee or a tea, something to keep you warm. Uh, but in his days, if you were to go to his, their home in their days, the first thing that would happen is they would greet you with a kiss on the cheek. The second thing is, is they would say, would you like to have your feet washed? Now, it's important to understand that the host of the house, the host would never ever wash your feet. He would never do it. It's too humiliating of a task. He would never do that. Essentially, the host is saying, I'm going to show you how important I am because I have someone else here who will do it for me. This person over here, he's going to wash your feet. He's going to do it. Feet are nasty. 
right? Peter was nasty. And this job was reserved, quite honestly, to a servant or a slave. This is their way, the host's way of telling you, look how important I am. Because I've got this person, he's going to wash your feet for me. Look how important I am. Would you like your feet washed? Someone else will do it, because I would never, ever, ever touch your nasty feet. Jesus is at his final meal the night before he's going to give his life, and he looks around the room and he sees proud hearts. Who's the greatest? Dirty feet. What does he do? Puts on the robe or the apron, picks up the bucket, fills it with water, and when he goes to do this, everyone in the room is gasping. They cannot believe it. No, no way. It is an impossible situation to describe. They cannot believe that Jesus is going to wash their feet. No, that is not happening. I went through my mind, I was trying to think of uh, how to, to describe an undescribable situation. Um, the only thing I come up with is it's kind of like the Queen of England. When she goes to your house, she's going to go to your house, and the first thing she's going to say is, may I wash your toilets? <laughs> right? It's beyond that, though. It's even bigger than that. It's lower than that. You have to understand who we're talking about. We're talking about Jesus. Like the song we were singing earlier, there's no greater name than Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. He is the Son of God, the Lamb of God, the Prince of Peace, the living water, the bread of life. He is the Redeemer, the righteousness. He is the light of the world, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And they all know it. All those people in that room know it, that he is all of that. And he's going to wash their feet. He stoops down and does something that is reserved for the lowest of the low. He sees a need. Their feet are dirty. I can do that. I can do that. Jesus loved, to them, loved them to the end by doing something that was too low for anyone else to do. The greatest is the one who will be your servant. Jesus, the Son of God, knelt down on his knees and washed feet. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm too important for that. As beneath me, I am too busy for that. We all have something in life that is like washing feet that we're trying to not do. We're trying to just stop ourselves from doing it because we don't want to do it. It's beneath us. Here's something I'm trying to train myself to do, and this is whenever I see a need that I can meet, I try to ask myself, God, is this an assignment that you have for me to do? Is this something that you want me to do? And I want to encourage you to say that whenever you wake up in the morning to give something in your path. Is there something that you want me to do, God, that I feel is beneath me? God, give me eyes to see needs. Give me ears to hear needs. And give me a heart to care. God, if there's a need I can meet, cause me to pause and stop and say, is that something you want me to do? And here's what I found most often that happens when I do that, when I, when I talk like that. Most times when it's something that God wants me to do, it's one of those moments where I feel it's beneath me, where I feel like I don't want to do it. It's those times where you start to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit on you to go back and to do it. And that could be anything. I remember a time... Um, there was a homeless person on the road, and, and this was, and I drove by, and I just felt the conviction of not giving that person money. And I passed them up, and it was like, the Holy Spirit was like, just 
in my face, and I just felt so awful that it turned around and I had to go back and do it. It's those times. It's those moments when, um, when you start to pray those things, you pray for those things to go in your life, you start to become more sensitive to it, and you start to open your eyes to it, and you see it a lot more. And you'll be amazed at how, how often in your life and in your day um, that needs come up that are for you. I have too much going on. I'm too important. Someone else can do it. It's in those times of pride that I really believe God wants me to stop and meet a need. You'll see. Your friend might be moving and she needs help, but you're kind of busy. But you know what? People have helped me move before. So I can help her move. This one's mine. I can do that. You'll be at church one week. There's a garbage can overflowing because no one's gotten to it yet. Someone needs to do that. Somebody ought to clean it up. But you know what? I can carry trash out to the garbage, to the dumpster. That's, that's nothing. I can do that. That's, I got that one. I can do it. But when you serve someone, you don't need to do it on camera or for recognition. Instead, it's an honor just to serve, an honor to make a difference in someone's life. A lot of times we, we always like, we want that recognition, you know, like the fleshy part of us wants that pat on the back, wants to, to do that. You know, look what I'm doing, look what I'm doing, I'm serving the poor. Wait, you see, I'm serving the poor. Don't, don't take your eyes off of me, I'm serving them. Look what I did for her. We want that recognition, but it's not about that. It's not about that. When you're serving with the right heart, Nobody needs to know. When you're serving right, the right heart, it's not about you. When you're serving with the right heart, it's not about your gift. It's not about getting recognition. It's about helping others, meeting needs, serving God for his glory. I can do that. I can do that. This one is mine. And it's not just about actions. It's about attitude. I was created by and gifted by God I get to show the love of Jesus today. And when you have the right attitude, the right actions will follow right after that, even if you don't initially feel it. It's not just about actions, and it's attitude. It's a, a, a real attitude change. Serving is not what I do. A servant is who I am. Don't miss that. Serving is not what I do, because anybody can serve, but a servant is not what I do. It's who I am. It's inside of me. A conversation that comes up from time to time, and I know Pastor Dan's had the same talk with people, um, especially when you're not in the church setting and you're, like we do a lunches at, for the Chamber of Commerce, and we are the only church in the entire Chamber of Commerce for Fife Milton and, and Edgewood, and uh, people don't know that they're sitting with pastors, and someone will say, after they're done swearing up the table, they'll say, so what do you do for a living? <laughs> oh. I'm a pastor. Oh, you know, and all of a sudden things have changed dramatically, you know. Like the, the realness goes away and then the fake thing comes on, you know. Oh, you're a pastor. Oh, well, I've been looking for a church for a long time. You know, I've just been looking for a church, but we can't find one that meets our needs, you know. And I'm sure you guys have heard that before. I can't find a church that meets my needs. Just can't find a church that meets my needs. I've been to 14 churches in town, and there's not one that meets my needs. I just can't find a church that meets my needs. 
I just want to scream out, please, if you are a follower of Jesus, we are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors, right? We are not, the church does not exist for us. We are saved, people. We are saved. The church exists for the world. We are the church, and we exist for the world. We exist for the world. We're not looking for a church to meet our needs. We are the church, and we meet the needs of the people. Therefore, this is your church. Everyone sitting in this room, you are the church. These walls can burn down, and you, the church will still exist. This is where you worship. This is where you grow. And if you're not using your gifts in the church, you're selling yourself way short. Because Paul said it like this. He says, we are a part of the body of Christ. We all have gifts, and we all need each other. If you're only going to the church, but not serving in the church, as the church, then there's something that God wants to be done that's not being done today. So if you're going to church, but not serving in the church, not only are you selling yourself short, because God has given you gifts to share, but there's something that's going on today in the church that's not being done that needs to be filled. When you serve others, God changes lives. He does. He changes lives. Awesomely. And usually the first life he changes is yours. When you serve, the first life he changes is your life. So what do you get when you serve? You get the thrill of being used by God. I just listened to somebody and I prayed for them and guess what? It makes a difference. It makes a difference. Thank you, God, that I made a difference today. I took time out of my schedule. I served somebody. I prayed with this person. Somebody is in a need, and I can fill a need. Thank you, God, for that. I'm serving. We are serving. We need to be serving. And if you're not serving, it's time to just wake up. It's time to serve in our community, whether it's here in this church or whether it's your, your family or your friends. A servant is not just what I do. A servant is who I am. And I have the thrill of being used by God. When you go to bed at the end of the day and you look back and say, you know what, God used me today, that's a good day. Even if it's a bad day, if God used you, it's a good day. You can spend the day on yourself, you'll be empty for the rest of your life. If you invest your life in others, and you will be great. The greatest is the one who is a servant. LifeSpring is one of the most loving and amazing places I've ever encountered. It really is. I've worked at several churches, um, and I've never seen a church quite like this one. So many loving servants right here in this church. I've seen people cleaning the parking lots. When there's nobody else here, I'll drive by and see somebody power washing the parking lots. They're not looking for the pat on the back or anything like that. They're just doing it. They're serving. Or cleaning the windows. It's amazing. I've seen Kent. You guys know Kent. That man is an amazing servant of God. He is here in the morning, and he is here. he's the last one to leave at the end of the day. And he is serving God. He is doing what he, he is a servant. He is not just serving. A servant is who he is. People praying for one another. See that all the time. Bringing meals to one another. Life groups spending time together surgeries, 
when you get out of surgery, there's usually somebody that'll be there to pray with you, bring you a meal, just to spend time with you, love you, helping one another move. We've seen that a lot. A lot of you have helped people move. The list goes on and on. And you just don't see that in a lot of churches. But you see it here in LifeSpring. That's part of our DNA. So the question has to be asked, how do we get started? How do we learn how to serve? Can I put that slide up for Rooted, please? As you may or may not have noticed, uh, this year, um, Dan and I, uh, you guys know we have the win, build, send as our mission statement. It's win, build, send, winning people for Christ, sending people into the community and building people up. Well, we're really great at winning and sending people, obviously. She's a testament to that. We, you know, Papua New Guinea, you know, we, we send people all over the world. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to focus on this year, though, was building people up. I've had people, I've met with people, and um, they ask, well, how do I know which person to give money to on the streets? I work in Seattle, and how do I know which one to give money to? Or whatever it might be. We all have these questions. So how do we get built up? How do we know this stuff? How do we decipher it? What is God telling us? We've been offering classes like Financial Peace University just to learn more about what God has in store for your finances. And this fall, we're going to kick off a new program called Rooted. It's going to be pretty awesome. I believe that God has uniquely created us with a purpose and a plan. But what is that plan? God has called us to build disciples. Amen? And this is going to be a 10-week program intensive study and we're going to learn exactly that how to become better disciples how to not be afraid when we're speaking with our friends and family about jesus how to not leave our christianity at the church doors when we leave and after church but we're taking jesus with us we're going to learn how to do all this stuff and the vision of this is simple it's something that we really prayed on and the vision of it is simple and it's basically lives transformed we are going to see lives transformed in Jesus. So this will start in October. It's going to take some planning, so we had to put it out a little bit. It's a 10-week program. And the thing is, it's going to be unique. We're going to offer it through our women's groups, through our men's groups, through Converge, even our youth group, as well as our life groups. Andrew, our life group leader, he's also going to be looking for, to make this happen, he's going to be needing to build up more leaders for our life groups for the, just this 10-week period after 10 weeks, we can go back to normal. <laughs> but this 10-week period, I'm looking for 100% church participation. 100% for 10 weeks. Because look what Jesus and God did with 12 disciples. Now what happens, with, what will he do with 140 disciples after that 10-week period? It is such a powerful, powerful thing when we can get the entire church, including our youth, doing the exact same thing for 10 weeks, learning how to become better disciples. Learning how to serve others through him. And so for the next couple months, you will definitely hear a lot about Rooted. It'll be blasted all over the place. And I hope you guys can get excited about it. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to start it in October. It'll take us right before the, I think, the first week of December. And then we'll be done, and then Christmas will happen. Um, but I think it could be a celebration in the church. I think it'll be a celebration in the community. And I believe that that's what God has in store for us for, the, for that time period. So I'd like to ask for you guys to pray over that over the next couple of months as well. 
Um, and, we, and if you're wanting to be a, a leader of that, like I said, we will need other small group leaders to build it up. Um, because 100% church participation, that's pretty radical. You know, our life group rate for the church is 50 to 60%, which is amazing, by the way. Absolutely amazing. It means half this church is in a life group of some sort. Getting prayer. Uh, just living life together, which is so important. So to ask for 100%, that's, that's radical. But Jesus did radical too, right? I like to invite the worship team up. So when we learn to serve and give our eyes, our ears, our hearts to serve, miraculous things happen in our community. Miraculous things happen in our lives. Serving God brings life transformation. And it's not just a temporary transformation. You will be transformed forever. It will change those around you. You want to change your marriage? Start by serving your spouse. You want to change your friendships? Serve your friends. You want to change your community? Serve your community. You want to change your relationship with God? Serve the people in the church as the church. You want to see your life change? Serve others, because when you serve others, God changes lives, and the first life he changes is yours. You want to see your children be passionate about Jesus? You be passionate about Jesus. Live it in the home. They will see it. You serve God outside of yourself and your kids, they will get engaged and they will learn how to use their gifts. And guess what? They are no longer, they were not consumers. They are spiritual contributors. They will own it. And they will be incredibly passionate because Jesus did not come to be served by others. He was the king of kings. He could have had everybody serve him. He is Jesus. He could have had kings bow down before him. But he said, I came to be your servant. The greatest, the greatest, the greatest is your servant. Jesus looked around the room, saw proud hearts and dirty feet. I can do that. This one is mine. Proud hearts and dirty feet. When you have eyes to see, spiritual eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to care. You will see needs and you will never be the same again. You know what? I can do that. This one is mine. You see a need, meet that need because that's what servants do. A servant is not what I do. A servant is who I am. And that is just another way we can love and live like Jesus. Father God, this morning, we just want to serve you, Lord God. We want to serve our community. We want to serve our families. We want to be better disciples so that way we can serve you better. We want to love and live like your son, Jesus Christ who sat in that room knowing that he's going to die, knowing that he's going to hurt and be in pain the next day. And he wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about serving his friends. Dirty feet, Lord God. So we pray that you put the dirty feet in our lives, whatever that looks like. And that you remind us humbly to 
that we can humble ourselves to do the tasks that we feel is beneath us. Jesus did it. I want to do it. I want to live like Jesus. In your son's name we pray. Amen.